Sound Money, where we show you how to pay your home loan off in up to half the time of a normal bank loan. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jessie Edge and I'm joined by Scott Perry. How are you going? Very well, very well. We're at the end of the tunnel. The light is here. At the end of what tunnel? Sorry? The COVID lockdown tunnel was a, was a tough few years there, to be honest. So, it has yeah, been I'm tough. out and about. You're out and about. You're feeling good, seeing friends. It's yeah, weird. I'm, I'm, it's, it's gone I'm from good. nothing to everything, though. Like, quite. It's gone from existing to living. Yeah, which is great, but it's kind of intense. Yeah, it's, it's obviously when you let out of prison, it takes a while to reintegrate back into society. <laughs> so it's going to take us a while. What do you think you miss the most? Uh, what do I miss the most about lockdown? No, what do you think you missed the most whilst you were in lockdown? <laughs> to be honest, for the first time in my life, I actually thought it would be really good to be able to go to a gym. <laughs> uh, I was going to say something, but... Uh... <laughs> I mean, I haven't been to a gym in 40 years, so I <laughs> something where I felt, you know what, I really feel like I could go to a gym with all this spare time. Yeah, I love um, that. Actually, you touched on a good subject there. It is your 40th wasn't it so yes yes it was a uh, certainly not the party i anticipated uh, <laughs> all the shindig it was a, uh, a much quieter affair but nevertheless it was uh, an enjoyable celebration and uh, i think i'll bank the proper party for uh, for maybe next year when things are a little bit more open yeah that's what do, what do you think is your top two lessons in your 40 years top two lessons wow I uh, I wrote a list of the top 40 things I'm proud of in the last 40 years. And I think from that list, the top two things I've learned are really that time is my most precious currency. Oh, yeah. Good one. And I'll do anything to buy that time back. Yeah. Uh, obviously, lockdown, I felt robbed of time. And the other thing was, it's really the simple things in life, which I've actually got the most amount of enjoyment out of. Like wow. The, like having a kid and just being able to sit with him, go on a lot, bike ride with him, such a simple thing, but I just have found that's when I'm happiest is when I'm just doing simple things, which are usually free, yeah. uh, which is another sort of big insight. Yeah. I used to think that the more money you make, the more you can spend, the more happy you're going to be slash um, enjoyment factor, but that certainly hasn't been the case at all. That whole uh, cost per unit of fun has been phenomenal. Yeah, that that's such an incredible perspective isn't it realizing that it doesn't cost money to have a good time do you, oh, think that's, do you think that's because we've gotten older and we do enjoy simpler things or uh yeah I, I think also because I've already done in my eyes everything I've always wanted to be able to do so I, I really am just enjoying the stopping I'm enjoying the slowing down I'm enjoying the just the real simple things in life which are um huh. It just gives me a huge amount of enjoyment at the moment. Little lockdown silver lining, hey? Oh, there's been many silver linings for lockdown, but that would definitely be one of them is just the realisation. I think a lot of clients come through this as well where you are spending just so much money on entertainment like because the norm and it has been the pace you've always oh. moved at to when you stop spending money on entertainment, all of a sudden it actually starts to go, well, I actually don't need that so regularly in my life. Yeah, absolutely. 
Sorry, I've got a couple of notifications going on. I'm just going to turn that. Yeah, you certainly do. That Jerry. is a little annoying. Sounds like it. <laughs> um, what we're going to do? Uh, let's. Well, that's just questions coming in from the audience. Oh, questions coming from the audience. <laughs> let's um, segue away from conversation about uh your 40th and talk about things you've learned i think you know let's move back into the finance industry and there are a lot of changes going on at the moment that are going to hugely impact people um and quite it's i don't know people a lot of people don't know about it or haven't kind of realized the significance um so yeah let's talk about that today the debt to income ratio gti not a sexually transmitted disease by any stretch of the imagination. It is um, <laughs> debt to income ratio. Yeah, this is fascinating. And I, I think where we're so privileged, Jess, is being able to work in the jobs that we work in where we're at the coalface. We see everything before it filters through to the economy. Yeah. And this is a huge flag for me. I mean, when when I see flags and I say, okay, that's interesting. That What effects that going to have downstream? This I see is a huge effect downstream. And so when we say debt to income ratio, what actually is that, Jess? What is a debt to income ratio? Well, it's pretty simple. It's just how much debt do you have compared to how much your income is? And so what they're saying now, instead of saying, okay, you can borrow as much as you can as you want to based on a servicing calculator, they're now saying, no, we're going to limit it to six times your income. So if your income is 100 grand, the maximum you can borrow uh, is 600 grand, which for a lot of people is not a lot nowadays when you're trying to buy properties that are in the millions. So, yeah. yeah. And also when you are looking at, let's say you're that person on 100 grand, you're like, okay, well, I can borrow 600,000. But if you put rental income into that, then you also get to include the rental income in your debt yeah. income ratio. So let's say you bought an investment or let's say you're going to get 30 grand a year in rent. We also get six times that 30 grand a year, which is 180,000 on top of the uh, 600,000. Yeah. yeah. So it's your total income, your gross salary plus your rental income times, I think seven's probably more accurate. I think most of the lenders are sort of coming in at six to seven. There's one or two lenders uh, that come in at sort of eight. Um, and we've got one lender which sort of still hasn't come on board yet. And yeah. they're still running with the old world calculation. So it'll be soon, though. It'll definitely be soon. 2022, this is happening. What yeah. does that mean for us as homeowners, investors, borrowers? Uh, what it really means is I've always said that the day banks tighten credit, which is exactly what's just happened, is the day that people can't afford to borrow as much. And if they can't afford to borrow as much, that means they can't afford to offer as much when yeah. they go to put down offers on properties. If they can't afford to offer as much, that means that those prices won't be increasing as much. Yeah. And thereby, people can't borrow as much. They can't offer as much. Prices can't go up as much. That is, in my eyes, very close to uh, a peak in, in the market because yeah. people's borrowing capacities last month, I, a prime example, I had a client who I did a borrowing capacity for last month based on their incomes could borrow a million dollars for investments. So they could go and buy a million dollar investment property. Did the same calculation this month with the new DTI rules, 600 grand. Mm, Their borrowing capacity reduced 400 grand. That's a property. And so that is, I mean, it's a huge property. So if that's just that client, imagine all the people in Australia who are going to be sort of coming up against these headwinds. So yeah, for me, this has been the first move 
um, where I also see rates going up next year. So yeah. you you combine those together where people's borrowing capacities have been reduced, their rate uh, increases, plus they've also increased the rate they assess your loans at. Those three, for me, are, wow, I really don't see the growth that we've had uh, happening at all no. next year. Yeah. Do you, do you actually think the property market will drop or do you think just that the growth will slow? I think the growth will slow and then it'll depend on how quickly they react to that slowing growth because that's what they're trying to do is just slow the property market. That's why they've done this is because it's white hot. It's the hottest I've seen in 20 years. It's and crazy, I mean, isn't it? These last everyone. months is just bananas and it's like we've just been in a pandemic, people. Come on. And and everyone that we know owns property, so they're all beneficiaries of that, which is great. Uh, yeah. And every I've never seen every suburb in Australia go up. <laughs> it totally like, reminds me of like the pre GFC kind of times where everybody was making money in their sleep, like it was amazing. It was such good times. You never had to worry about your property not appreciating in value. It just it just was what happened. And then all I mean, of a sudden GFC hit, and everyone realised, oh, hang on a second, the property market isn't as you know guaranteed as we all think it is. I think that was yeah. a wake-up call. Big time. So there's cycles. Out of a 10-year yeah. cycle, property will go up for three years. It will go down for two years. It will go sideways for five. Yeah. So uh, I think we've had a good we've year had or two. <laughs> um, but like, I don't think it's going to crash to a point where it's going to drop 50% uh, because the demand's always there and then always the banks react. I mean, the government knows that people feel richer and happier when their house price is going up. And if you are trying to win an election, the, that election year, you want to make sure people's houses are going up because when they're coming um, down in value, because people, every 3.9 years will refinance. And they'll refinance usually for a cheaper rate, which means they reset the loan back to a 30-year term, massive fail. They'll refinance to do a renovation, uh, consolidate some debt. When you're trying to refinance at the moment, you've got so much more equity than what you envisage. So you can do all those things. When the prices start coming down, you don't have that equity and you can't consolidate that debt. So it just has that sort of um, ripple effect where all of a sudden you're carrying that extra credit card or car loan that you normally would have consolidated into your equity where you no longer can do that. So yeah. that's what I sort of see in the years ahead. And that's why I am certainly not as bullish on the property growth as I was 60 days ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's important to understand why this has been brought in as well and, and how it, it is actually, I mean, as annoying as it is and frustrating and limiting as it is, it is there for a reason. And, it, and it's about, you know, you know, minimizing people's exposure to risk. And so, you know, the more debt you have, the more risky it is. And banks are foreseeing or, or you know, the RBA is foreseeing what's going to come in the future. And they're saying if, if interest rates are so ridiculously low at the moment, we have been lulled into a false sense of security. And we are very comfortable with our repayments. But as soon as repayments start going up, interest rates start going up, that massively affects your, your you know, net cash flow each month. So, you know, what they're trying to do is say, hang on a second, we've got to cap this. We've got to limit the amount people can borrow because, you know, in a couple of years' time, interest rates are not going to be as low as they are now. They're going to be so hugely exposed and that's going to put a lot of pressure on Australian households. So, look, I, I you know, whilst I, this has a huge impact, I, I do see... The positives in it like it's there for a reason um and i think that's important for people to keep in mind yeah you, they had to do something i mean this property yeah. market is literally parabolic vertical mm. um and it's just it's unhealthy for anything to be growing that quickly 
especially for a lot of these first homeowners, you know, you're like, oh. I feel sorry for them trying to save a deposit and they think, okay, I've only got to save 50 grand to get into my first home. So yeah, when you've got a house worth 750 and you've thought you're getting into the 500,000 mark, it means you've got to really get another 50% deposit. And so it just keeps getting further and further away from these first home buyers. So now everyone that we're speaking to as a first home buyer is really relying on their parents to become guarantors. Yeah. And so how that works is I've got mum and dad, they've had capital growth. They've had the house for 10, 20 years. And so the banks will look at the equity in their house and they'll say, okay, we can see your mum and dad have got equity. Let's pretend that's your deposit. We'll loan you 100% of the purchase price. And then mum and dad are sort of going to be in the background as their um, sort of deposit in a bank size. And so I think that's going to be the norm for that, and, and that was a good way out, but that still doesn't get them out of the whole DTI issue. Like you, you no. are still borrowing it under your own. The only way would be if the parents actually borrowed the money themselves and then gifted it to the kids, which is just really getting really difficult, really tricky. So, uh, yeah, it is, it is, they're getting, first time buyers are going to get hit twice now, which is a bit unfortunate. Yeah, it's uh, it's something where if you're in, you're happy. But for those yeah. who aren't in yet, it's um, it's going to be pretty tough going forward. So, yeah, I think there's definitely banks are a crave. Where I just heard of a um, a new forty year home loan. Oh uh, wow, um, very interesting. So what are your thoughts on that? I think it's horrific. I mean, we all of our clients are out of debt in under fifteen years. So. To try and put a 40-year home loan in front of someone, I get it. Like, obviously, your repayment's going to be less. It's going to be more manageable. But do you know how much more money the banks make in interest yes. for that extra 10 so years? Much more. Crazy. So I, I don't like debt. I don't like bad debt. I like having Australians pay off the house, live a debt-free life with no mortgage repayments, all their income to spend on lifestyle experiences with their family or even investing. And so just to have someone in debt for 40 years, for me, is everything I'm against. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that leads us into the next part where we say, what what can we do to combat um, the whole DTI issue or or what's coming? You know, what, what should be, people be doing to prepare? So there are only two ways to increase your borrowing capacity. One is to earn more. That means get pay rises, uh, have a higher income, change jobs, whatever it may be. The other is to actually reduce debt. And so we all know that crown money is about reducing debt, paying off your house in half the time. And so the faster you pay down your home, the more equity you've got, the lower your debt is. And then when banks go to do your borrowing capacity, they look at, okay, well, you owe $200,000 on your home loan uh, last year. Now you owe one fifty, So you can borrow an extra 50000 75000 probably to invest. And so from that perspective, I think you're, um, you've got to pay down debt. And whilst you've got low rates, I think, and especially during um, COVID, we had so many, so many clients build up amazing buffers because their entertainment expenses were gone. Yeah, how incredible was that? Like yeah. huge savings rates. Huge savings rates. So I mean, we've got clients saving seventy five percent of their salary, which is unheard of. The Chinese traditionally save fifty percent of their salary. We know how good of savers they are. So to have someone saving seventy five percent of their salary is like freakish. Our average savings rate at Crown is 25%. I believe the average savings rate in Australia is around about 9%. So, yeah, I mean, all of our clients are doing so well. They've got a money management system, which is proven and tested. It works. And it works at helping get out of bad debt as quickly as possible, create equity in their home. so They can use that to put towards investments and setting themselves up for a super comfortable retirement. Awesome. I think this is all really great information. So thank you, Scott.
I think, no, um, you know, you. if anybody wants to reach out and have a chat about what their borrowing capacity is now under these new rules um, or wants to, you know, talk about their own strategy with their home loans or potential investment properties, just reach out to us. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Scott. We'll chat soon. No, thanks, Jess. Have a great day.